You're listening to Rocket with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio. Hello, you have tuned in to Rocket with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio, where we discuss insider secrets to health and so much more. Here on Rocket with Dr. Tamika, we take a look at health from a broad perspective and we break it down so it's relatable, doable, and most definitely fun. And yes, I am Dr. Tamika. So my rock stars, are you ready? I hope you have your minds open, your ears and gear to learn, and you're ready to take your health to the next level. Now, we are starting a new series, right? I'm all about series because I think it keeps us going, anticipating what's next. We're doing Men's March Health Madness, and there's so much to talk about as it relates to men's health. I figured we'd begin with something that most of us use every day, our feet, so I figured, why not bring in a specialist, you know, not just somebody who like knows a little something, but how about somebody who knows a lot? Dr. Tommy Harris is a orthopedic surgeon, but let me break this down. He has his own practice in Pasadena. He focuses on elements of the lower extremities, particularly elements related to the foot and ankle. He is also an associate professor at UCLA Harbor Medical Center. And let me tell you this, he, is so like bright. I don't, you know, I bring the best of the best. He has written multiple scientific articles accepted in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery, Foot and Ankle International, and the Journal of Orthopedic Trauma. Hello, I tell you, when I tell you I bring the best, we want to make certain that when we bring people to Rocket with Dr. Tamika, that you really get to see what's out there, what's being done, what's the latest, and what's the greatest. He has also designed novel innovative surgical implants and have been that have been used worldwide. Furthermore, he has been given uh, lectures all over the world. Um, he uses cutting edge technology for patient surgical outcomes. He believes elective surgery is often the last resort in addressing patients pain and they're always willing to explore conservative options. He's married to Tiffany and he has three children. He enjoys surfing, right? We're in California, so I get that because I love Beach Fridays listening to music and reading along with spending time with his family. Welcome to Rocket with Dr. Tamika, Dr. Harris. What's up? Thank you. Nothing. Thanks so much. Quite an intro. I'm wow. like, I was reading, I was all on your website. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm like, am I having foot pain? Do I know anybody? I need yeah. to figure yeah, out. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so Great. this is what I'd love to do. I would love for you to share with our listeners, my rock stars, um, a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Yeah. My, you know, I am uh, living out here in California. I'm in, in Pasadena. Um, I work at Harbor one day a week um, in Torrance. I'm an orthopedic surgeon, but I did an extra year of training just in foot and ankle. So, you know, 95% of my practice now is foot and ankle. Um, originally from Ventura. I did a lot of my training, went to Georgetown for med school in DC, and then Pennsylvania, Penn State for residency, and then a fellowship out here in Long Beach and in Harbor. And so, you know, I grew up on the beach and, and loved surfing and still surf all I can. And um, so my practice now is, is orthopedic, but it's all foot and ankle. And it's surgery, non-surgery, any, any sort of thing that's causing pain in your foot or ankle, I see. So that sort of thing. So let me ask you this, what made you pursue a career in medicine? Well, it's funny. Um, so my dad's a doctor, right? And so I remember as a kid going with him on rounds and I just hated the smell. And I, and I was like, there's no way I'll be a doctor, you know? <laughs> so I go to college and I was like, 
theater minor major and then I surfing wise I almost lost this eye I board I was surfing and this the ducked over went underneath the wave and then the board just popped up and it like barely missed my eye and went right into this bone right here and I just tons of bleeding and the guy that came in and stitched me up had like a motorcycle helmet and a jacket I'm like this guy's pretty cool you know he did a great job of my face you can still see that the little scar on the eyelid I mean millimeters from losing my eye and he had such a nice uh, persona about him and just a way of handling and being so nice to people that got me interested in it again and now don't don't get me wrong my dad's the best and, and fantastic person but he never said one way or another you should go into medicine or you shouldn't he was never that kind of dad that said go into this and we're going to do this and that he totally left it up to me I was a psychology major in college and so that that little that thing got me going and I was like second or third year of college so I had to go back and take all the prerequisites again I was like the oldest person in freshman chemistry and doing all that sort of stuff but I kind of <laughs> start and then it worked out and then I went into medicine and then when I went into medicine I was like you know what maybe I'll be a pediatrician or um you know I can't imagine doing surgery I wasn't super stoked on anatomy to begin with and then um would, you know they do the rotations through um orthopedics and just loved it I'm a sporty person I love the fact you get people back to stuff really early and, and that part about it. And so that's how I kind of drifted into, into orthopedics. So it's just funny what life takes you. It's like the story, like I had an injury, like an injury yeah. from, right. <laughs> yeah. I from surgery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I almost lost my eye. So I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember just paddling. I, I, it was so cold. It was numb. And I just saw blood just on the board, just like crazy. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty close to being a really bad injury. But oh my. yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And then, so how would made you like choose to specialize in foot and ankle? Like, how did you end up over there? Yeah, that's great. Like, so um, one of my, um, my partners will, will take credit for this, but um, he's a spine specialist and he's like, you know, what do you think you're going to go into in orthopedics? And um, it was kind of a job. I, I might have this job in Pasadena, this opportunity to work with my dad for a few years. And I'm like, you know what? I think sports, I think I'll do, I'm kind of a sporty guy. I'll do sports. I'll do some knee scopes, shoulder scopes, and it's great life. And that's it. And then he's like, you're not going to do it. The last thing we need is another sports guy here. You're going to do foot and ankle. And I'm like, foot and ankle, those smelly feet. And I was like, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do foot and ankle. That's that. And then sure enough, I was kind of implanted in my mind. And then the next rotation going back to Pennsylvania was foot and ankle. And the teacher there, Dr. Giuliano, I just, just loved, and we just hit it off. And we spent like three months in a row just doing foot and ankle. And I'm like, you know what? This is great. This is, you see all ages. It's not just one surgery all the time. It's tons of variety. There's trauma, there's ankle replacements, there's, there's tendon work. There's such a variety of pathology and so many different ages and you can help. So then I got into foot and ankle, you know, and so I love it. So, so they were like, you're not, no, you're not doing that. I love it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, literally, he's like, you're not doing that. I'm like, who's this guy? You know, I just met this guy. It's like, you don't even know me. <laughs> you're not doing that. You're doing foot and ankle. I'm like, who's this guy? Like, I literally made him 30 seconds ago. He's already telling me what our life was. And it just so happened. We must have planted a seed in the back. And he takes all the credit for, he's like, no, I, I, I set you all up. You, you know, it's the best thing you ever did. It's coming in. <laughs> so, okay. We'll send him a bottle of wine. Like, we still remember what you did. And we took oh, dude, we, yeah. We talk about it and he, we just laugh, you know, and he loves that story because it was really like, I barely knew him at the time. And he was so forceful, like, this is what you're doing. And I'm like, well, we'll see, you know, but it worked out. So it worked out like from the eye injury to somebody telling you what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, this is great because you said something. When I remember being in residency, I remember doing my orthopedic um, rotation, actually as a medical student. And um, I remember all the orthopedists were like, 6'5", 250, wow. no, body, <laughs> no body fat, just exactly. athletes. I'm like, I am just too short to yeah. do this. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, some of those surgeries are pretty heavy duty. You're lifting heavy legs and, and tweaking knees and all this sort of stuff, you know? Foot's not so bad. So no, I'm you're not, like, I'm not so, <laughs> so yeah. if I, maybe if I would have met someone who was like maybe a little shorter, not so athletic, yeah. who was like right. foot and ankle, I'm like, okay, yep. great. And I could totally remember, like, gosh, he's big. <laughs> yeah, it was like a workout during your job, you know? Right. I'm like, and I'm just retracting, right? <laughs> sweating, and it's like this heavy lead you got to wear during the surgery for the radiation from the X-ray. So yeah, it's it can get pretty involved. I was so. like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so when I think about this, one of the things that comes to mind is um, what are some of the most common issues that impact the patient population that you see? Well, it's, you know, anything from trauma, whether it's a torn Achilles tendon, that's common. Ankle fractures are a very common thing that I see, both surgery and non-surgery. Plantar fasciitis, heel pain, very common thing that we see, very common reason for foot pain. And it could be anything from a bunion to a hammer toe to ankle instability, like someone who keeps spraining their ankle, um, okay. arthritis in the foot and the ankle. We do ankle replacements, we do ankle fusions. There's tons of stuff that we see. And, and I don't think one of those more common, it's pretty even. We see all those things pretty, pretty evenly. Across the board. So and one of the some questions of the, I- some, Yeah, some of those yeah. One of the things that comes up for me when I think about some people, just my rock stars who are tuned into Rocket with Dr. Tamika, one of the things I think about is like, people don't know, do I see a podiatrist for my foot or my ankle or do yeah. I see right. um, sure. an orthopedist? How do, like, how do they determine? Like, can you help me help them? Oh, no, I think it's, a, it's always a hard thing. So like, um, you know, in, in terms of like um, podiatrists, it's just a different level of, of expertise, different level of schooling, you know, didn't necessarily go to medical school, did podiatry school. And then so they focused with, with podiatry all that time. And I think, you know, of course I'm biased, but I think that the, 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 there's, there's about 600 podiatrists a year that graduate and about 60 uh, orthopedic foot and ankles. And, and don't get me wrong, there are, there are podiatrists who are just fantastic. I'm right. friends with tons of them and they're great people. Um, and everyone's just trying to make the patients better. But there's only 60 of foot and ankle orthopedic trained. A, a year. And so I think it's, it's just a different level of, of specialty, you know, so we're doing, even though we didn't do foot and ankle the whole training, we're doing sports on one block, we're doing scopes on another block. So we're able to put all that orthopedic information together and apply it to the foot and ankle. But I mean, four foot stuff, some people say, oh, you know, you're, you're an orthopedist, you do bunions. I'm like, oh yeah, I do bunions, I do hammer toes, I do everything. So I do all that stuff. And sometimes maybe more four foot driven stuff or, or more people think should go to a podiatrist for that. But, you know, I don't have a good answer for you. I think that it's just a different level of training. Gotcha. Okay. So that, for me, that makes sense. But for some people, they just don't know. So my rock stars, if you're looking for like, I want to, I want someone like who really has been diving into this, then you probably right. want to look at an orthopedist who specializes in ankle and foot. Now you got Dr. Harris right here, straight out of Long Beach. Yeah. So right. <laughs> we worked yeah. Long Beach Monday away in Pasadena. So that's so, great. And then there are also like some podiatrists don't do surgery, some do. So there's that too, you know, oh, and so right. there's some non-surgical podiatrists and then surgical podiatrists as well. So you said some things earlier that I really want to um, 
like basically I keep laughing at because I'm like, I want to say these words that are like medical. I'm like, no, let's just keep it simple. So sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. let's just talk about some basic stuff. Like let's talk about plantar fasciitis. Like you and I know what it is, but can okay. we explain to our listeners what is plantar fasciitis and how does it present? Yeah, it's it's essentially one of the most common things we see. And, and I, I had it in residency when I suddenly was on my feet all day long, but it's really pain on the bottom of, of the heel. And it's particularly bad when patients are getting up in the morning or after they've been off their foot for a while. We call it the movie theater sign. So if you're sitting down watching a movie and after two hours you get up and your bottom of your heel just kills. So we, we say fasciitis, like it's an inflammation. It's, you know, you know, to be particular, it's not so much inflammation in there as like tendinosis or thickening of the tendon on the bottom of your heel, the fascia. So the plantar fascia links the heel all the way to the toes and that origin right by the heel gets inflamed and irritated and really causes a lot of pain. Often related to tight calf or, or, or a tight foot, tight muscle. So really stretching is really important. And often you'll see it in people when they just start working out more, they wanna get active and stuff. And suddenly, you know, it's a little bit can be an overuse sort of phenomenon as well. So. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about, I hike a lot. So sure. I love hiking, I do. I love hiking, I like boxing. I like whatever exercise is out there other than surfing. Yeah. You got me scared right now about getting high. <laughs> not a surfer, not yet. Not um, yet. Not yet. We'll get but, um, I can remember when my best friend got plantar fasciitis, she said it felt like she had a rock in her shoe. Yeah. She like so much. And she's a, and she's a physical therapist. She yeah. was like, hmm, feels yeah. like I have a rock in my shoe. She's like, I think I have plantar fasciitis. She's walking and diagnosing herself on the hike. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, uh, isn't the treatment get off of it? She's like, we're just going to have to modify that treatment. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll modify <laughs> so my own treatment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> talk about the treatment of it. Like, what do people, what can they do for it? Oh, sure. Like usually it's stretching can be really helpful. So sometimes they'll recommend formal physical therapy, sending them to your friend and that can help out. Um, you know, uh, anti-inflammatories, Advil, Aleve, some things I recommend are kind of freezing a water bottle and then rubbing your heel over it. If you uh, stretching before you go to bed, before you get out of bed, that's really the key. It's stretching. It's not that people get away like oh, stretching. That's it. I'm like, if you can stretch out your calf, it really can make a big difference. We'll do things like PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, which is the patient's own blood. We'll spin it down, get what, what's the plasma portion of it and inject that in there. It's not a steroid injection, it's not a cortisone injection. Um, so we'll do that PRP, that can be really helpful for that as well, kind of a more, usually does not require surgery. 95, 97% of the time it goes away, but it can take three, six months. We'll change shoes. There's stretching splints you can wear at night to help stretch out your foot. That's another thing we'll try. Um, and then it's kind of modifying your activity. I'll, I'll tell patients, you don't have to go to zero, but maybe knocking it down by 25, 50% in terms of the intensity or the mileage, all that sort of stuff can help as well. Right. And especially, I feel sad when people get, like you just said, they get like, they're on their health train now. Like, okay, I'm right. getting back into this and it's classic. Yeah. It'll kick in and it's like, oh my gosh, my my foot is on fire and they're yes. like, Ugh. and then they just stop everything. And then they're like, oh, I just can't get started. So it's deflating to the, to their morale when For they're sure. getting back, back into it. So stretching. And I remember, um, uh, one of my trainers said in the past, you know, to make it stretch your calf. And I'm like, that's the painful stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. It yeah. hurts. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like, no, that's why you do it. And literally I remember one trainer I was taking, I like doing um, stuff that's what is, what's ever the latest and greatest, but I was doing this restorative yoga class and this person who was teaching this class had me 
Um, we got on our knees and he had us put our other knee on our calf. So literally we're sitting, mm -hmm. we're, um, sitting, we're sitting on our knees and we're sitting up straight. And we took our, our, my left knee and I put it in my right calf and he had us move our foot side to side and then move, yeah. the, move your um, knee up and down your calf. You talk about painful. Yes. <laughs> but I can tell you that I have not had plantar fasciitis, but I do that because yeah. of that particular class yeah. that I took and how much people don't realize, how many people don't really take the time to stretch their calves and how powerful it's, it can be, right? Oh, absolutely. It's so, such helpful. But like you said, like that plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, some other posterior tibial tendonitis, like it's all fancy words, but basically overuse when you haven't been on it for a while and you're trying to get out there and be more active and everyone says you got to get active and, and then like you said you just start having pain and it can be demoralizing but we just you can get past that and we'll be able to you know fix these things for patients so they can keep going so when someone's presenting with like um an achilles tendon type pain right they're sure. like in their there and they're yeah. presenting with it and you think of these athletes who get an achilles tendon rupture right, they right. Get a tear, a rupture or a tear yes, when I get to, yes. Know, right um, what's like the recovery, like it yeah. could that have been prevented? Like, can we talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, you bet. Usually most people, most people, not everyone who come in who have some Achilles related pain usually does not lead to a rupture. Majority, we stretch out, we do therapy, we rest it and it gets better. But there's occasional cases and, and you know, I'd say it's less than five, 3% that actually lead to a rupture. And a rupture, I mean, Achilles tendon is the biggest tendon in your body. So if you get that rupture, there's a big controversy now, surgery versus non-surgery and, and kind of similar results with both. Maybe a little bit stronger repair with the open surgical repair versus treating it with a, with a cast or, or a boot. But um, it, it, I, I tell patients a full year, you know, even if you look back at Kobe who had, you know, the best therapist and, and really extensive rehab, it took him nine, 12 months to get back to playing. So it'll take patients nine to 12 months from an Achilles rupture to get back to normal. And it's good to hear that because people like it puts things in perspective because you right. have an injury, right? And people are right. like, oh, six to eight weeks. I'm like, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. And when you hear, when you can just get, I tell people, get your mind right. So sure. nine to 12 months, if you have an Achilles rupture tear, this is what it's going to take for yeah. recovery, right? And totally. that's, it's and it can extend. And this is an average, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> People coming in at three months, like I'm still having pain. I can't run yet. I'm like, listen, I told you early on that this is going to take a long time to get 100%. And, you know, nowadays everyone wants to be better right away. No one wants to stay off the foot afterwards. We're trying to accelerate the rehabs as fast as possible, but things still got to heal and the body still has to heal. And, and, and you know, the body, the foot and the ankle, it, it, it's, it's the only thing like surgery wise, it's really hard because even you getting around all day, your foot's going to swell. You're like, I'm not, I'm not putting weight on it. I'm like, I know, but it, as soon as you get out of the bed, it's downhill from the heart. You have all the pressure on the body, you know, your hand, you can keep up your arm, you can elevate, but the foot at, at some point you're going to have to be walking on it and all that blood's going to go down there and cause swelling. So foot and ankle surgeries are notoriously long to recover from patients do well, the endpoints very well. But it just takes a while to get there. And it's a nice thing to know going into it. A lot of people think they'll be better in a few weeks. And it just it just takes a while to heal these things. It does. And I can yeah. think um, prior to doing what I currently do is practice functional medicine as a family yeah. medicine doctor. But sure. I remember being in the nursing home and taking care of a patient who had an external fixator for the ankle. Yeah. And I like to lift that thing. Yes. <laughs> it's heavy. Like, 
it was yeah. heavy, right? right? And then like the rehab on my other person who had um, ankle surgery on both sides, it was like forever for yes. healing and the rehab. And you're like, oh my gosh, and the foot was swell. I'm like, and keeping your foot up, my rock stars is not easy. No. But elevated, that is not one of the easiest things to do. So the yeah. recovery alone, I can only imagine when people come to see you, Dr. Harris, they're like, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're hitting a wall at six or eight weeks after surgery and they're just think that's the end of the world. Am I ever going to walk again? I'm like, I promise you will. We just got to get through this and you'll be able to get there. And like you said, elevation's elevation. You got to be above the heart and really right. cranking it up. You know, people will be sitting down and the foot's a little bit off the ground, but it's still <laughs> not really elevated. Like I'm keeping it up at work. I'm like, if you're working, you're really not keeping it elevated. I, I know you're trying, but it's like, it's got to be really cranked up. It's true because my brother-in-law tore his Achilles and he had surgery. I think within, I want to say within under 10 days, I think he was back at work. He's like, I'm keeping my foot elevated. I'm like, how are you propped up at yes. a desk? <laughs> yes. Talking to nurses and people coming in, right? That's right. like, like, but you know, the effort is there. I'm going to applaud yeah. the effort, right? Exactly. I People, the best interest, they're always trying to do the best they can. And it, it is hard and I get it, you know, and it's like, putting people in cast for three months. I know it's just not practical. You know, we, it, it's, too, it's 2021. You can't do that anymore. You could do it 30, 50 years ago, but you just can't do that anymore. It's not practical. It's it's not, one of the other things that come up and I, hopefully you can help explain this better. So there's an ankle sprain and there's ankle instability. Right. Difference. So yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Ankle sprain is basically the injury to your ankle and, and you, at least partially tear some of the ligaments, typically on the outside part of your ankle. Your ankle turns in, we call it inversion, and then the, the lateral or the outside part, those ligaments tear. And so people will come in, they wanna make sure they didn't break their ankle, and the x-rays will look normal, meaning the bone didn't break, but they probably tore those ligaments. And the only way to really tell is an MRI, and we won't jump to that right away unless they're having tons of pain or some other reasons. But what can happen is, we, we, as physicians and patients, we both have a tendency to underestimate these sprains. And so patients will be like, oh, it's just a sprain, no big deal. But really, it, you know, the ankle instability is what leads to what, what happens if you don't treat that ankle sprain accordingly. So if you don't get physical therapy, if you don't ice it, you don't rest it, you don't do the RICE principle, rest, ice, compression, and elevation, that can lead to chronic instability where people are just walking down the street, they miss a little step and the ankle gives out. And then right. that can sometimes lead to surgery. So the ankle sprains, the acute event, and the ankle instability is what happens down the road if they don't take care of it with time. So let's, I was going to ask you about, the, like, are we still doing rights? So for <laughs> my, my rock stars, when you um, sprain your ankle, like your yes. Dr. Harris said, your foot turns in and you like, or you lose a step, um, the treatment, can you repeat that for them and explain it to what each um, letter means? Oh, sure. So yeah, we, we memorize it by rice. So it's rest, you, you take it easy. Ice, you want to put ice on there. And people always ask how much, how often. So five or 10 minutes uh, every hour or two is not too much. So the more ice you can do, the better to keep it down. Compression is something like an ACE bandage. Often people will come in with no treatment. I just put an ACE bandage on like, oh, it feels so much better. And then the last one, E, is elevation. So just like we talked about keeping that leg cranked up. So that's the acute treatment for a couple days. You don't have to do that for weeks, but for a couple days. And if it's gradually getting better, then I think, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty good. And it just, it's a therapy. We start around two or three weeks, but if it's um, not getting any better, 
and you're continuing to have pain and you can't put any weight on the foot, that's a, that's a sign you got to see someone and get an x-ray if you haven't gotten them already. Because if by two or three weeks, you should be feeling a little better from a grade one or two ankle sprain. And I'll tell patients, if by three months after you've seen it, you know it's not broken, by three months you can't walk on it, you don't, not, can't even just walk on it, have a lot of pain, then something needs to be looked at. There's no such thing as like a chronic ankle sprain. Something's causing that pain, be it a, be it a tendon injury or something else that you just didn't know about. So That's yeah. That's good to know because I think that people like, we get busy, right? We get so be like, oh, right. it's just, I sprained my ankle, I sprained my ankle, I sprained my ankle. Like, and then we take, uh, whether they take Advil, they take Motrin, or if you're really healthy, maybe you're doing um, fish oil because fish oil can work like that. And you're like, it's, it's, sure. it's just always there. But if you're always having to take something because you're not able to go back to your full activity and you're saying right. after a period of three months, then let's look a little deeper. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. And if you're like, find yourself six months later and you're tripping over a little crack in the curb it's like that's not normal we got to sort of think what's happening here what what's the root cause of what's happening now because that should not be happening and we see that all the time everyone thinks it's going to get better it's just a sprain i mean i think about it because it's common right and i think it's and it's common especially if you have and that's if i don't know how what's the age you treat so let's talk about that what ages do you treat well, I'll treat anyone as young as like five or six years oh, really? old. Oh, really? Oh, let's yeah. go for this. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, so, Great. All right. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, not the infants, not people who are born with uh, club feet or, or sort of that sort of thing, but usually five, six years old and up and every age group all the way up to 90s, you know, so that's the nice part about foot and ankle. We see all age groups there. So really everything there. So when I think about, because right now, if we just pick on, um, and I'm going to say pick on because I have two uh, kid athletes, right? Sure. Right. So I have... Um, and many people do, we have these kid athletes who are, they live and die their sport, right? Whether it's soccer, whether it's hockey, yeah. whether it's football, do you see a lot of um, ankle, people people coming with ankle injuries? In oh, that sure. category? Yeah, and there, there's a lot of ankle injuries that would be at the sprain or fractures or things like that. There's also this thing called Severs condition or Severs disease. And that happens in kids, maybe eight all the way up to 12 or 13. And it'll be right in the, the, growth plate technically of the calcaneus or the heel bone so so the, the kids will come in they'll have pain along their achilles they'll have that tight calf again and mm -hmm. they'll just be in soccer have been started a month prior and they have pain with running that's really severe and so those are the um th that's called severs condition again stretching helps out with that but that's a common thing we'll see and, and a lot of your rock stars the, the kids will have that at that age and it's a common thing does not need surgery uh, does not need any injections. It's going to get better. Usually a little rest and some stretching will help with that, but that's called severage condition or severage disease. Sounds horrible, but it's not horrible. It's I know, very I'm, like, I'm like, you know what? Yeah. You're telling me right now, but I'm like, sever, like what's severing? Like what, <laughs> yeah. what, what are they about to lose? Exactly. Parents will hear that, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, my child has severed disease. And I'm like, it sounds a lot worse than it is. It's going to promise you it'll get better. So that's a common thing we see. So yeah, we see a lot of those young athletes with whether, you know, long distance runners as well as something we commonly see, be it cross country, and you'll get some stress fractures and things like that from just people running a lot. And a lot of it's activity modification, but also just making sure that they're taking their vitamins, that they have some natural health and that they're eating a good diet and all that stuff helps as well. Okay, look, you said the magic word, like eating clean, making yeah. sure they're taking care of themselves, getting their water, getting their rest. Uh, yeah. You know, this is important. And then some supplements, this is great. Yes. So uh, we have some questions coming in and I would love oh, to share them with you, all right? So we have sure, sure. Tammy from Hayward. 
being a diabetic, what are some common um, best practices with regards to caring for my feet? Oh, that's a great question. So when patients get diabetes or have diabetes, one thing they'll often develop is, is neuropathy. And that just means by no fault of their own, they just have a hard time feeling the bottom of their foot. Right. So daily self-care of their feet, be it with a moisturizer, because another thing that can happen is the skin can get a little dry. So just putting plain old Vaseline on the bottom of the foot daily, in addition to like either having a mirror or being able to see the bottom of the foot to make sure they're not developing like a little callus or a blister. Because I've had patients who've had diabetes who just come in with like an ulcer and they didn't even know it's there, you know, and they notice like a draining thing on their sock and they don't have any pain. And so really kind of being vigilant about the self-care with respect to inspection, just looking at your feet daily. And then the, the moisturizer can really help out with that. I do encourage people, you know, to be as active as possible too. I mean, you know, being good aerobic activity, just plain old walking's great. And like we talked about with, with diet, just eliminating I mean, other stuff. I can vouch for it. I've lost like 30 pounds. I just stopped drinking soda and I stopped fast food. I was so busy and I never had time between cases and clinic. I would just go to Burger King or I'd go get fast food. And I just stopped doing that. And I just feel so much better because of it. And I stopped drinking soda as well. And, you know, water can go a long way. And it's, you know, it's, it's crazy, you know, I did there. <laughs> True. It's so true. People yeah. don't realize. And, I, and I'm so thankful. Like they hear it from me all the time. I'm like, look, yeah. another expert yes. comes in and says yeah. the same thing. I mean, the basic principles of medicine are like eat clean, get some yeah. water, rest right. and exercise. It's the basic. Yeah. It's, yes. I don't care what you do. Yeah, that's the basics no and you look at that diet you know the diet drinks zero calorie how can it be bad for you well there's plenty of sodium in there there's plenty of other stuff in there that can get you so, so switch to water all the time and i'm like even if you have to create what i call the spa water which if you need to yeah. add some mint leaves a couple right. of slices of lemon sure. um, maybe some berries in there so it can look pretty whatever the case may be what's ever going to encourage you to drink it by all means drink it because it's, it's it. definitely helpful healthy and it's typically you can get it anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. No, <laughs> great advice. Sure. All right. So let's sit here. We have um, Jonathan from Hollywood. What's up, Hollywood? I haven't been to Hollywood in a while. A dang pandemic. All right. <laughs> Keep going here. Um, I've been playing sports for the better part of 20 years. I've noticed my toes started to point in different directions. What are some non-surgical things I can do to straighten them out? Well, I'm assuming they're talking more about um, the big toe, but often you'll develop a, a bunion, both from genetics and from sports can happen for a while. So there's these uh, toe spacers you can get, which are like little silicone over the counter things that can fit in your, your foot. You can wear it during the day. And there's also this night splint called, called a bunion night splint that you can wear at night. And that can help straighten out the toe a little bit. It won't totally correct it, but it can help a lot with the pain. And the other thing that we, we, we can talk about is orthotics. People are always asking about inserts. Should I be getting inserts? Do I need inserts? If I have flat feet, is there something wrong with me? The short answer is no, flat feet are very common. If you have a lot of pain with flat feet, then I'll usually start with maybe an over-the-counter um, insert with a good arch support to it. And then maybe it, that seems to be helpful, but maybe has uh, worn down a little bit, then getting a custom-made insert can be very helpful. So there's a whole range of, of um, kind of pathologies that inserts can help, but that could be another one in terms of the toes. 
do does your office do inserts like you do custom made ones? We do some. We have over the counter ones, and then there's a place literally across the street from us that does it. And it just depends. People are coming from all over to see us, and so there's a couple different places around here that that are kind of um, that that are closer to other patients that they can go to and get them made. They just need they need a they need a prescription to get that stuff though. You know, I have this ongoing joke, my husband and I. So yeah. my my kids, no, it'd be me with flat feet. And then yeah. we look at athletes. All, like yeah. all the athletes have bad feet. Like like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all of them. Like some toes look like aliens. Yes. Totally. <laughs> like even, aliens. Yeah, the sprinters, people are on their toes a lot. They're big toe joint, ballet dancers, ballerinas. Um, I've taken care of professional athletes for feet issues in not just an acute injury, but for some generative changes. And yeah, they're, they're pretty gnarly. Their, their feet are just something else often, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, is that a prerequisite, Dr. Paris? Exactly. Yeah. These guys uh, and gals, they put their feet through a lot, you know, and um, it's, it's interesting too, the physics of the foot and the knee, the physics of the foot is, is about six times body weight. So, you know, if you're, if you're weighing 100 pounds, I mean, that's 600 pounds across your feet. So there's upsides and downsides to that. You lose five pounds, you've lost you know, 30 pounds off your feet. You gain 10 pounds, you're adding another 60 pounds on your feet. So everything gets magnified as things go down a little bit further. So I, I think that's- I think you need to hear that. I mean, you don't even think about, like you said six, I'm like, wow, that's yeah. a lot of weight. <laughs> oh, no, it's, um, it's, it's about four times at the knee and about six times at the- uh, at the foot. So it's uh, it's something else. So it can hurt your knees. And then another thing to mention is people always say like um, com compensation, you know, so people will have foot pain. And the next thing you know, they're like, I got knee pain, back pain, hip pain. Is that for my feet? And often it can be because they can't walk right. Perfect example is arthritis of your big toe. You can't push off. You're walking on the side of your foot, what we call supination gait. And then all of a sudden their knee hurts, their back hurts, their, their hip hurts. And that's all because they're not walking right. And there's no fault of their own. They just can't get that toe moving or it just hurts. But that can lead to some other problems. So that's Okay, so the else. lesson here is get your feet checked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I love this. Um, I did a, I did a show before and people were having, it was a dentist who talked about um, sleep apnea and really going to see your dentist and look into your breathing. And I was like, yeah. now you're like, look, you're having back pain and hip pain. Did you check out your feet? Exactly. No, <laughs> right? it's totally. And sometimes even like a little bit of uh, an insert, like a little insert and it can help out with knee pain. It can help out with foot pain. There's a, a lot. It's funny. One thing can, can help out others. I'm like over here. I'm like, okay, keep like, keep dropping these pearls. Like just, keep <laughs> dropping them. I'm like, people need to know. And I'm like, no. oh my gosh. Okay. Absolutely. Here we have um, Hugo from San Francisco. Is there truth to the thought that a broken foot takes the longest to heal after surgery? And should the person after having surgery, should they refrain from flying? Well, great questions. Yes. I think a broken foot and there's a big um, gamut of what that entails. It could be relatively straightforward fracture. It could be a complex dislocation. So there's a whole range of recoveries. But in general, as we alluded to earlier, that the, the foot injuries take a long time to heal. And there's a kind of devastating injury, a very common one we see called a Liz Frank injury, which is a midfoot injury. And you'll hear about it a lot, but it's basically a sprain of a midfoot and you're tearing ligaments and ligaments notoriously are slow to heal. 
people will say, oh, I wish I would have broken my ankle and heal faster than a sprain. And there's possibly some truth to that, but in the foot, especially so. So when we do surgery for those type of dislocations or those midfoot subluxations, same thing as an Achilles, you're looking at nine to 12 months to getting back to your activity. Really? Yes. And so that's getting back to their, their level of, you'd be walking, you can be much more active. You can be walking at three months, but in terms of getting back to normal, that's a good nine to 12 months. And then in terms of flying, it depends on the length of the flight. The big concern after any surgery is blood clots, you know? And and so we, we usually give patients aspirin after surgery, not always depends a little bit about, about what type of surgery they had. So I like patients to wait at least a month before they fly after most of our surgeries. If it's more intense and if it's a longer surgery, a longer recovery, then you could be, you could be two or three months, but eventually, yeah, I think, the hard part about like having surgery, I've had patients fly in, have surgery, and then fly back. I mean, that air pressure can be can be pretty tough right afterwards because you're, you know. So they're flying the in, get the surgery, and then fly back out. I mean, that's yeah. a piece of and I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm hoping they're going into first class or business class to get their foot elevated. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. You gotta do something. I mean, I've had a couple of professional surfers who come from Hawaii, come get their foot fixed, and then literally are back and go back to Hawaii three days later. And it's um, it's tough for them because there's a lot of swelling. They just really got to get that foot up, as you mentioned, and it just leads to a lot of swelling. So that's the two main concern, post-operative swelling, and then the, the DVT or blood clot, you got to watch out for as well. So I'm thinking about all these different people. I mean, I remember looking at on your website, one of the things that I would really stood out was that you're like, surgery should be less. Right. It really Absolutely. Should. No, so what, I mean. What did you say about that? Go for it. Talk about it. Oh, please. yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's always the last resort. I tell patients often. I mean, it's it's if it's a if it's a dislocated foot, then there's probably, you know, you got to get that fixed, you know. Like, it's like, you said it's the last resort. What can we do? I'm like, we need to. Put yes. <laughs> we have to get the bones in alignment. I mean, there's certain things like that. But if it's an overuse phenomenon, if it's like a tendonitis that you've just been dealing with it, surgery now or later, it's the same, right? So you waiting on it and giving it some more time and trying other stuff, you don't burn any bridges by doing that. And so that's, that's what I tell patients, you know, some come see me, they've already had the symptoms for six or nine months. They're just sick of it. They want to get it fixed. And I I understand that too. But if I'm seeing the patient on day one um, and they're saying, well, can I, I just do surgery right now? I'll often try to dissuade them and say, listen, this often doesn't need surgery. Let's try this other stuff first. And then if you come back in a month or two and you're still having a lot of pain, then yeah, we can always do the surgery, but it doesn't really gain us anything by doing it right away because there's a good chance you may not even need it. That's actually really good. So it's like, okay, here's some um, conservative approaches to help you. And if that works, that's great. I'm like, because you're like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm still still here here to provide this service. So let's try this um, non-surgical approach to see if this actually helps you. And then I think about like, some of the times when I used to uh, do a lot of primary care, people would come in with knee pain, right? right? And I would say, okay, and I would send them to the orthopedist and the orthopedist would send them back to me and they would say, you know, let's see, can we get them to lose some weight? Yeah, first? right. You see the same thing in your practice. Yes, yes. I mean, we, we do that. But the hard part about losing weight for patients who have a bad foot is they have a hard time exercising, you know? Sure. And so I am on the patient's side and if I try to get them to lose weight, but on the same token, I understand it. It's hard and it's a, it's a, it's a circle. It's like they can't work out because they have so much pain. Right. And so you get some point, just have to bite the bullet and fix them on other hands. But, it, but weight loss can only help. It helps with the recovery, you know, not smoking. It's huge when it comes to bone healing in general. People, the many 
problems with smoking or, or there's a litany of things, but for bones specifically, it really inhibits healing. It inhibits fusions and inhibits broken bones from healing. So, you know, you're really doing a disservice if you don't tell your patients, you've got to stop smoking before we do the surgery or it's just not going to work for you. So that's actually good advice. So not that I'm like trying to be down on all smokers or whatever, but sure. like, I'm just trying to say, we're trying to promote healing. Exactly. You're trying to promote healing. Absolutely. And it, you know, diet and all that stuff that is very important as well. But, but, but nicotine smoking specifically is very bad for bone healing. And, and we know that with multiple studies. Okay. So see that the, the facts are out, the research is in. Yes. You need to heal and nicotine in particular is not helping. Not um, helping the bones. When I think about uh, other things re re uh, related to non-surgical options, one of the things I yeah. wanted to know was like, what's the role of stem cells in the treatment of ankle and foot conditions? Oh, great. Really hot topic now. And so it's really helpful in terms of like bone healing. You know, we'll harvest uh, patients' um, own cells. So it's important for patients to know it's not anyone else's cells, it's their own. So the healthier they are, in theory, the, the more better the cells are, but the, um, so we harvest them, we put them through a centrifuge and then we inject them into the area. And what we're doing is harvesting the cells that haven't quite differentiated, kind of like baby cells in a way. And we're trying to get them to either grow bone or help with tendons or help with ligaments. So it's really kind of this, um, amazing future of medicine that we're just getting into in the United States. There are less regulations in Europe, right. but, um, it, you know, so they have a little bit more leeway, um, but it, it is a, a future for sure. Being able to go with, I get questions all the time about stem cells. Should I try stem cells? And, you know, so far, I haven't seen the evidence that it's going to reverse end-stage arthritis. It, you know, maybe someday it will, and we'll all be out of jobs, but um, <laughs> but um, not yet. But I have seen it help grow bone. I, I like for people who haven't got their bones to heal or fuse. I've I've seen it help with that. I've seen it help with tendons, and I've seen it help with ligaments. So there's someone definitely would present, like how would they present where they were like, okay, this person sounds like a good stem cell candidate. Well, if it was bone, like we have a case coming up of someone who had a, a, a fracture in their foot and they've tried a lot of different non-surgical stuff, but over a year, essentially, this bone never healed. And so for that patient, adding her, her own cells to, to the mix can really be helpful to stimulate the healing and stimulate that. So for that particular case, anytime you're looking for a little bit of extra, little something extra to help. Now, it doesn't have to be done with surgery. It can just be done you know, people are doing stem cells for plantar fasciitis, you know, and I'll be honest, the whole, the whole literature isn't quite there yet, but it's very safe. It's your own cells. We're not adding anything to it. We're just spinning them down. So I've never seen, same thing with the PRP stuff. I've never seen that cause any problems. Some people come in with plantar fasciitis they've had for months and we'll do that PRP injection and they'll be so happy and be cured, really will cure them. And so I've not seen it cause any problems. We're just trying to fine tune the science to see who needs it and who will benefit the most from it. Great. So if we're doing that, and let's say a person is having um, positive results, right. is there a point where they, I know it always comes up because people ask, I just recently got asked a question about stem cells for um, retinal repair. And I was like, okay, let me right. send you to an optimal. I'm like, this is deep. I found all these articles in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah they're in Europe. It's huge. Absolutely. So yeah. when they have it done once, is there yes. the likelihood that it has to be repeated? So great. Yeah, often not. Often it's a one-time thing. And I'll tell patients with respect to PRP and stem cells, let's try this once. 
and let's see what kind of response you get. If you do really well and, and, and you're just steadily improving, then we won't need to do any more. If you get to the point where it's helping um, and then it, it really did pretty well and then started getting worse again, we could consider doing it again. But oftentimes, especially with the PRP or the stem cells, it's a one-time thing and it really does its magic. And it's not something you have to keep coming back for. You know, the, the, the corollary or the comparison is the steroid injections, the corticosteroid injections. And often I'll have patients who still like that and it still helps them. They're not perfect. They have their downsides as well. But the more you give of that, the little less effective they become. And we know that is not going to cure it. That is just a Band-Aid. It's going to help them for their pain. And when the world opens up again and people can travel, people will come and get a shot before their big trip or yes. before wedding, they got to dance at. And I get it. I think all that stuff's important, but it's just important to know that corticosteroid injections are not a cure. They'll just help it temporarily. Not to say you shouldn't do it. It can really be helpful, but eventually you're going to need something else to be done. So I love the fact that you point out that that's temporary because I think what happens right now is that, you know, in all lines of medicine, people are looking for whatever conditions they're dealing with, they're looking for that quick fix. Like, I mean, you know, I'm in pain, I'm uncomfortable, I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. This is a quick fix. You're not right. sure what a steroid injection does. And if you're in pain, I get it. But at sure. the end of the day, we want to know what's the root cause and can we do something else? No, that absolutely. Is. Yeah. And I even get that sometimes like, I've got plantar fasciitis for two weeks. I, I need you to do the surgery. I'm like, oh, wait a second. You know, like I cannot... I can do the surgery. It takes me 10 minutes, but I'm, I just don't think it's the right thing to do yet. I still think this can get better without surgery. So I have to kind of dissuade people from surgery often. And I, like you said, these patients are in pain. They're miserable, can't do anything, but it just sometimes it's got to give it a little bit other chance to heal. So, and I love the fact that you pointed out, and I love that um, when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so true. We can say like, a person's having foot pain or having ankle pain and we're like, okay, well, let's get some of the weight off of you, right? Yes. And then you were very clear with the fact that it's the vicious cycle. So for my rock stars, it does become challenging when your physician is telling you lose weight, exercise and do this, and then you can go have this procedure, but you can't do that when right. you're under so much distress because of the pain. So it's like this cycle. So now Dr. Harris is like, look, I get it. Yes. And the one that I absolutely do. And the one little tricks are like the lower impact stuff, you know, so you don't have to run. You don't have to necessarily walk. If you can find access to an elliptical or a bike or a pool, those are the three things that are so low impact. They're not as tough on your joints or your foot pain, and you can still get your heart rate up and burn off some calories. So that's something I'll recommend just from a standpoint of like, what kind of exercise can I do? My foot kills. I'm like, well, the low impact stuff that we just mentioned, those things are a good option for patients to try to get past that cycle. So that's something to consider as well. It's good. I, I love the fact that when we talk about different things and I, I, you hear all kinds of excuses and I love people because they're real. I, be yeah. as real as possible. Like, well, I don't have a pool. Great. No problem. I'm like, okay, I got it. Okay, I get okay. it. Yeah. And you sit down on the couch and do your legs like you're on the bike. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Can, what can you do? Exactly. Yeah. Right. You got to do, but you have to try, right? Yeah, even your arms, even you moving your arms, anything, getting the blood pumping, all that stuff is great. And everything you can get the endorphins going, you're going to get the, um, you can get the, the blood movement. And you just feel that much better. And then you get in that positive reinforcement. You lose a little bit of weight, start feeling better about yourself. And you just want to keep that going. People at work say, Hey, did you lose a little weight? You know, so there's all these other extra reinforcements out there that can help people get past that first step, which is the hardest because it just hurts. We understand. Yeah. It's not it easy. Does. I can tell you that I, um, myself and some other people, we, uh, we jump rope and jump rope can be yes. very impactful, right? Yes. 
I had a friend and she was like telling me she's jump roping. And I'm like, I've never seen jump rope. She pulls out these balls on the string and she just does this. The, and it's literally her heart rate gets up with literally yeah. doing this movement. And I'm like, okay, look, I need to tell people about the balls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably more safe too. More safe, right? Perfect, right? No knee, no ankle, no foot, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no hip, no back. And yeah. she's like, every she's like, I watch TV, I right. get my balls, and on the commercial, yes, I, <laughs> I'm like, that's ingenious. And it made somebody's making a killing on these jump rope balls. Balls, exactly. <laughs> always but, these great ideas out there oh oh my gosh so many ideas but if they work i tell people you work what works for you exactly you don't have to be um you don't have to run you don't have to walk you don't have to jog you don't have to ride a bike what works for you if you are a, a roller skater great roller skate yeah. if you are yeah. a dancer if you just like to jump around and move around the house movement just get up and move i don't right. care how you move whatever exactly. it is no, exactly. ask all kinds of questions like, what about sex? I'm like, okay, that's not enough movement. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at the calories that does not work or it's not <laughs> calories burned. So what are you going to name something else? Okay. Okay. Dr. Henry. Okay. <laughs> so, exactly. I'll ask all kinds of stuff. One of the things I wanted to ask you is during this time of COVID, how has this impacted you as a surgeon? Well, it's a great question. So, you know, we had the first shutdown in the hospitals that we work at were really, um, essentially shut down. And in the most recent time, you know, December and January was even worse, uh, California, you know, so hospitals we go to, they were completely shut down, just overrun with patients. So it's definitely decreased everything. And so even now you get patients who um, need to have surgery at the hospital, not in the surgery center per se, and they're still a little bit reluctant to go into the hospital. And I think as the vaccines roll out and more and more people get vaccinated or feel safer, that, that'll come back. But it's definitely affected. It's affected all of our practices, um, just from a, from a volume standpoint. Less people coming in, and even like the sports, the sports um, physicians were saying they're seeing less ACLs, they're seeing less sports injuries because there's just less sports going on. So mm-hmm. you know, so that that too, especially in orthopedics, will affect us. Can so, you tell the rock stars what ACL is? Yeah. So ACL is a knee ligament. It's an anterior cruciate ligament. You twist your knee wrong and your heel pop. And it's a very common sports injury that we'll see. Soccer, any sort of sport that has sort of twisting through the knee, you can get that. And it's a, it's a big injury, but it's most common from sporting injuries. And so when everything was shut down and people weren't allowed to go outside and do stuff, then that we just didn't see that anymore. We still saw some injuries. I go to Harbor once a week and that's a really trauma heavy place. So we'd see some, some bad trauma, but even there, the less people on the roads, less motor vehicle accidents and all that sort of stuff. So everything went down temporarily. And I think like right now we're seeing it kind of ramping back up and the hospitals opening up again. We were able to do some surgeries at, at the surgery center. We're associated with it because those patients are able to go home and, and they don't need to spend the night in the hospital or anything like that. And so we, we were lucky in that respect. But it's definitely impacted all of us. Because I tell people, like, no, there's no one industry that wasn't impacted one way or the other. Exactly. It's important to make sure that we're all on, we're all in this together. Absolutely. We're all, we're all in no. this together. So be as safe as possible. Oh, and when I think sure. about, like, in general, um, what you do, and, and uh, I guess I would say this, now that I think about this clearly. So Tiger Woods just had a big accident. Yes. Right? Yes, so he did. big accident um, he had, I believe it was... Uh, I believe it was yesterday, but just thinking about the type of injury he had to his foot, his ankle and, and his legs, would you be involved in something like that? Potentially, you know, it's, it's kind of um, one of those things that just a really, uh, from the sound of it, a really devastating 
injury, you right. know, and just uh, really feel so bad for him. It's such a, um, uh, uh, can be a life-changing sort of uh, event. But, you know, I think, you know, he can, all those things are recoverable from. He's, you know, I, you see the pictures of the car. It's just unbelievable, you know, right. he's, you know, is that, you know, core and his head and everything like that, it's going to be just fine. So he'll be able to get through the, the leg and foot stuff and be able to get back out there. But, and I think that's important. I think people don't, um, I think at times more so now, we're taking the time to stop and appreciate life. Yes. Even more so. And the, no one, and again, I, I, I think in this terms that all of us are put on the same page, the pandemic, everybody's put on the yeah. same page, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you see what happened, unfortunately, to Tiger Woods and we pray for his healing and so forth. But like he had a bad accident yeah. and only seems to be the main thing that were hurt were his lower extremities, which seems to be right. below the knee and his foot ankle somewhere in there. Right. I don't know the specifics. I say that sure. clearly, but life is so precious. So what can oh. we be grateful for right now? Right. Oh my gosh. I got it. I mean, I have a horrible, great story, but my wife just a year ago got diagnosed with colon cancer, you know, crazy. She's, you know, 46 and it was right during the height of COVID lockdown. We couldn't get a colonoscopy. They finally did it and they found this mass. She had a surgery. She just finished her chemo. Praise God, she should be okay. But it's just like you said, you just never know what life is going to throw at you. If you thought two years ago, if everything we've been through in the last two years with the lockdowns, with everything, with my wife's cancer, with all these things that are happening, you just don't know. You just got to enjoy the moment. And I, I think back to my dad, too, who, who was one of my idols. And he, um, we're at, you know, he started developing Alzheimer's, you know, and here's a guy right when he's worked his whole life, ready to kind of retire and enjoy his time and gets this just devastating mental condition. And it's just like, you just can't plan for the future. In the future, I'm going to do this. In the future, I'll do that. you got to live for the moment to a certain extent because you do not know what the future holds. Things can change quickly. So Very it's, quickly. Yes, absolutely. So I, um, I say this because I want people to like have more, um, I say, with my patients and different people who are in groups with me, we need to practice more grace and gratitude, more yeah. grace and gratitude, not only towards others, but towards ourselves. You know, I know it's been a little bit challenging with the change in your home life, the change in your work life, the change in what's going on with your own body, but just a little more grace and gratitude because there's uh -huh. so many things that are happening. The one thing that we have control of our right now is our thoughts. Yeah. What are you focusing on? What's like, what's giving you joy? Okay. What's taking you away from that? And I think no matter what you do, we all can go back to that. Look at the praise report for you and your, your wife. I mean, that's a lot to take on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. And, and like you said, I mean, smiles are free. It's very nice to be nice to other people and it goes a lot longer than you think it does, you know? And it's like, so I always try to be nice with everyone I work with and everyone I'm with. And, um, I think it does make a difference. Like you're saying, grace and gratitude. You can really be appreciative of the things that you have and not always be wanting more or thinking about the future. Just concentrate on the present for a little bit too. It makes a big difference. Makes a huge difference. Okay, I have to ask you this. Any last minute tips or advice you can share with our listeners? Well, I think in general, the more active that patients can be, the better. If you start having foot pain and ankle pain and it's been a few weeks and it's not getting better, like we talked about with the ankle sprain, I think it's worth coming in and seeing a, a specialist and getting it checked out. And the um, other things to look out for is a lot of like pain when you're off of it or night pain or something like that. Those are things we watch out for as well. Cause that's, we think about mechanical pain, which is probably from overuse, but we also think about patients who are having pain when they're totally off it or off their feet or stuff. So those are kind of like a little worrisome things too. So we want to check those things out as well, but be active, be nice to other people, 
<laughs> a good life, you know, it's not too hard. It's not no, it's not too hard. Yeah. It's just, I tell people, I know we're in masks, but you can really smile with your eyes. Exactly. You can really, like, you can really yeah. smile you can, and you can actually speak. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, how, 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 how are you? You're like, that's oh, it's such, it's such, it's, things are so divided and divisive now. You know, there's so many different, and I think a lot of it, you know, people just can get so at you know, other people. We just try to bring people more together and let's try to get along a little bit more than, 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 than I think we can do, all can do better at that. We can, and I'm thinking of like the different people. Now, do you, when a, after a person does a surgery, and I want to make certain that my rock stars know this, um, do you typically recommend, when do they start physical therapy on average? On average, uh, usually about three to four weeks. So we don't start it right away. Any incision takes roughly two, two and a half weeks to heal. So that takes a little time to heal. And then around three to four weeks, it's usually depending on the surgery around the time that we'll get physical therapy started. I recommend it for everyone. Sometimes patients just happen to be fast healers or for whatever reason, you know, don't do it. But I usually recommend it for everyone. I think it can be very helpful in terms of the recovery. Well, I think it's important that people hear that because I think, you know, you get some patients that are what I call my overachievers. Yes. They just want to go right back yeah. to where they were. And I'm like, okay, you yes. need to build back up. Otherwise you're going to yes. end up injuring what just got repaired. Absolutely. <laughs> and so Absolutely. I, yeah. I want people to hear that. Like, you know, there are steps. We're talking about a few weeks of let's just, I just got out of surgery. And yes. now the next steps is we're going into physical therapy. And I think one of the other things people need to understand is that Physical therapy doesn't necessarily feel good. Right. No, it can be real painful. It's all back to that stretching you were talking about. It's all that sort of stuff. I mean, and if, if people do have to have surgery on their foot, realize that it, it can still, it can, it can take a while to heal. But I think in the long run, they'll be much happy that they did it. We're doing these bunion surgeries now with these three tiny little incisions that we, we just started doing with the last couple of years. And the recovery is so much faster and stuff. It's just the technology and, and everything's just getting better and better. So it's, medicine, as you know, is such a fascinating field for many reasons. So I really, several, I just really love it. Several reasons, because right now you'll be doing something and the next year you're like, okay, we, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, what? That's what yeah. I learned. <laughs> exactly. Um, I would love for you to share to our rock stars how they can connect with you as um, having you as a provider um, to help them when there are issues related to their ankle and foot. And how do they contact? How do they reach out? Oh, reach out. It's probably going to be through the office, you know, the right. old school, you know. So we're up in uh, Congress Orthopedics. It's 626-795-8051. Uh, and that's in Pasadena, California. And then um, so that's probably the best way to reach out to us. Perfect. So Congress Orthopedics, that's the name. Congress of Orthopedics, that's the name of where I work there in Pasadena. And that's where I am the bulk of the week. So I think that's the best, that's the best Perfect. place to start. We have a website. Yeah. If you love Dr. Harris, like I'm having a great time. I'm like, okay, let me see about my foot right here. I'm like thinking about <laughs> every time I have a guest, I'm like, oh, I think I have that too. So if you are having issues, one of the best ways is to get it investigated, have someone look into it. Congress Orthopedics is where Dr. Thomas Harris is, is truly a pleasure to have you on Rock It with Dr. Tanika. You are a joy. We have to have you come back again if you don't mind. Absolutely. I'd love to. It's been so much fun. Thank <laughs> so you so much. much. So those of you who are ready, we are doing big things. We are in our men's month of madness. You know, it's men's March madness. You know, March, and I like sports. Probably not as much as some of you, but I really do like sports. So we have to take this sports level and break it down to health. And we're going to continue with men's health. So with that being said, stay tuned for our next show. Thank you again. Remember, a healthier you leads to a healthier community. See you soon. You're listening to Rocket with Dr. Tamika on Dash Radio.